0: Well, guys, uh, welcome. Good to see you. Yes, my dear, my beautiful, beautiful dear. So um, those of you that, that have been following us know that I've, I've had some uh, age issues. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. And uh, so, so the glasses are new to me, and glasses cases are new to me. And uh, so I grabbed my glasses case, which was empty, and, and was about to walk up, and I realized it's empty. And my kids, who were at the early service out at the park, are in my office, and I said, please, children, will you go run and find dad's glasses so that he's not uh, completely blind? So uh, anyway, guys, we're, we're working through um, this series called The Real God, and, and we're in week five, and, and week one was just kind of understanding that what we think about God is actually the most important thing about us. Um, that there's, there's a thing called a domino effect spiritually, and that if we have a wrong thought about God, that domino effect leads to major consequences in our life. But if we think the right thoughts about God, that that can have a huge positive impact in our life. And so that's what we've been trying to do is discover, well, who does God say He is? Not, not who do we think He is, but who does God reveal Himself to be in His Word? So we've been studying these attributes of God, and thus far we, we've studied God's goodness, um, we've studied His sovereignty, and we've studied His holiness. We talk about sovereignty, that's God's in charge of everything. It's not just sovereignty, it's also provident, meaning that He's working all things out for a good plan. And, uh, and so this week, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about His wisdom. His wisdom, And I think this is one of those that if we can grasp it, has the power to really uh, bring about some change. Um, but we, we're going to need some help. So, uh, so, so again, uh, let, let's just see what the Lord has for us. So I want to share with you um, three things this morning. Before we do, I want to define what I mean when I say wisdom. All right. So, so let's just start there. Well, what, what is wisdom? Well, the dictionary defines wisdom as this. It says wisdom is, is the ability to judge rightly and then to take the best course of action. It's the ability to judge rightly and then to take the best course of action. So wisdom is not just knowing the right thing to do. That's half of it. So wisdom is knowing the right thing of do, uh, to do, but then it's the, the ability, the power to then do that thing you know you ought to do. right? And so uh, you think about our own lives and, and how we lack wisdom. That's why God says, hey, you can ask for it. We often lack wisdom. Oftentimes, uh, sometimes we don't know the right thing to do. We're in situations all the time, right? Anybody else that you're going, I don't know what to do. Come on, right? Okay, so so one, we, we, we need to understand we, we don't have this. So, so a lot of times we don't know what to do. But then also, even when we do know what to do, how many of you have known what to do, but it seems like you lack the ability to do what you need to do? Amen? Okay, and so so when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about both of those aspects, right? That wisdom is the ability to, to judge rightly, but then to take the best course of action. This morning, I want to talk to you about uh, how this applies to God, how, how this thing called wisdom applies to God, and what it means for our lives, and what it means for our lives. So three things I want to share with you. The first one, I'm going to apologize in advance. It, it's going to sound like a run-on sentence, but it's really just a, a big, long, continuous thought. So think of the Apostle Paul when you read my point, okay? Uh, so so here, here's the first thing I want you to get ready. Uh, God's wisdom means that he sees what we cannot see, he knows what we cannot know, uh, and, and that he is working all things out in a way that is better than anything we could ever imagine. Right? God's wisdom means that he sees what we cannot see, he knows what we cannot know, and he is working all things out in a way that is better than anything we could ever imagine. And so I kind of want to start with, with this truth, and, and here it is, ready? We're going to start with, with this truth about God, God's creator. God is creator. That's the first thing. When we talk about God knows more than we know, well, yeah, because He made it all. In fact, it, the Bible is God revealing Himself to mankind. God's going, hey, uh, I'm God. I kind of want to explain who I am to you. And the very first sentence of that explanation, God says this in, in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. You, you, where it says God there, you could put I, because God's revealing it to people. right? God's going, in the beginning, I made everything you see and everything you don't see. I did it. God's going, hey, the very first thing God reveals to, to mankind is, is he's the creator. Now that, That's huge, right? The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 33, 6. He says, the heavens were made by the word of the Lord and all of the stars by the breath of his mouth. And, and listen, this is huge. It means that God literally wrote the instruction manual on everything in existence. On everything, it? God wrote the instruction. It means that God knows how every molecule of every substance that you'll ever come into contact with, and every substance that you won't, God knows how every one of those molecules fits together. It means that God knows exactly how every strand of your DNA is meant to be wound up together. Isn't that amazing? Every living creature, you think all the different strands of DNA, God knows how each of those is meant to fit together. That's amazing, right? But, but listen, God's, God's not just like all-knowing. Not only is this God all-knowing, this God has this crazy wisdom because he wrote the manual, but in addition to be all-knowing, uh, this God is, is not contained by any constraints in time or space, right? So, so just follow me for a second. So this all-knowing God is, is something that we say, he's eternal, He's, he's eternal, right? Um, John 1, 1-3 uh, says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. And, and, and what that means is, is, listen, there was a beginning before the beginning. That's what that scripture means. Is in the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So before there was a beginning, before anything was created, there's God. God's always existed. God is eternal, right? And, and then it says, and, and then God chose to make stuff. And that's what we call the beginning. When God made the heavens and the earth, and He made the trees, and He made the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea, and He made us. And, and that's kind of where we get started. And we think that's the beginning, but before that beginning, God always was. And, and, and listen, not only was God always was, but God always is and God always will be. And, and listen, so, so God's, when we say God is eternal, what that means is that God always exists in the past, in the present, and the future, all at the same time. Does it make your head hurt? Makes it, man, the hamster just has been running all week. Wheels just spinning. I, I, it's so hard for us who look at dials on our wrists and go, okay, there's 24 hours in a day and, 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 and there's 60 minutes in an hour and there's 365 days in a year and, and, and yet God is, is existing now. Uh, he's existing not, not just here with, with us, but He's also already existing in the future and, and, and still existing in the past all at, at the same time. God is eternal. And because God is eternal... This is, is true. I think Peter says it well in 2 Peter 3.8. He says, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact about God. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. Right? And a thousand years is like one day. And so here's what I'm trying to say to you. Because God knows it all, and he wrote the instruction manual, and because he's not limited by time at all, and he knows what has happened, he knows what is happening, he knows what's going to happen, Then and, get this, because he's good, right? And because he's sovereign and provident, which means he's, he's using his, his power, his sovereignty, to make things happen for a good plan that he has already thought out, not just back then, but how it will come out in the future. <laughs> because he is all of those things... Right, then, whatever he does far exceeds anything that we could ever think or imagine. That's why the apostle Paul pens these words in Ephesians three twenty. He says, "Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us." And so, guys, listen, I'm just telling you, the wisdom of God should floor you. Really should. Uh, A.W. Tozer, we've been studying a lot of his quotes in this study. Uh, He said this, he said, All of God's acts are done in perfect wisdom. First for his own glory, and then get this, And then for the highest good of the greatest number for the longest time. All of his acts are as pure as they are wise, and as good as they are wise and pure. Not only could his acts not be better done, a better way to do them couldn't even be imagined right? That's how wise God is. Man, an an all-knowing God who wrote the manual on all things, who exists in in past, present, and future at all times, and who is working for good. Man, you and I, we couldn't come up with anything better, which really is is pretty, you know, sad, because many times we have found ourselves frustrated with God, amen? Like, really, God? And God's like, yeah, really. Yeah, really. There's not a better way for me to bring about what is supposed to happen for the good of all those, not just you, for the good of all those. There's not a better way for me to be doing that right now than what I'm doing in your life. That's what the wisdom of God declares. So that's where we start, okay? That's where we start. That's point one. Point two. Point two. The culmination of God's wisdom is seen perfectly in His Son, Jesus The culmination of God's wisdom is seen perfectly in His Son, Jesus. I don't know how you define culmination. I I, I think of culmination as the perfect ending. right? You may think of it as the perfect climax. That's fine, too. Uh, Anybody like to cruise? I know we can't do that right now, but anybody like to cruise? Anybody ever been on a cruise? No, I'm the only person. Tiffany, you've been on a cruise? You didn't like it? She didn't like it. Anybody else like it? Okay, like it. You know, I like it. I like people cook for me. I can go eat whatever I want to, whenever I want to. Now, when you get off, all that stuff adds up, but whatever. Um, you're on vacation. So here, here's, here's the deal. So when you cruise, and you, you, you go out and, and you, you sit down at dinner. Uh, and if you're lucky, you sit down with people you know and not just strangers at a table. Or you have a you know, thing to your... We, last time we had a table to ourselves, it was awesome. Uh, and so here, But here, here's my deal. So when you go on a cruise and, and they cook all their good stuff, and then they always have something that they they want to bring you out for dessert. So every night is kind of a different dessert, which is cool, right? I mean, I'm on vacation. I'm going to eat dessert. But here's what i figured out. There is a perfect ending to every meal. There's a perfect dessert to go with every meal, and that is the the, the chocolate lava cake. That is the perfect one. So don't sell me on your baked Alaskan. I don't need that junk. Give me the chocolate lava cake. And what I figured out pretty early on is you're paying for the cruise. You get to ask for what And so one night, they're like, oh, the baked Alaska, and I let them sell me that junk, come out to me, I eat the baked Alaska, this is terrible, I want a chocolate lava cake. They said, sir, no problem, here's a chocolate lava cake. And the meal was perfect, right? It was the perfect culmination to my meal. Here's what I'm going to say to you. Listen, the perfect culmination of God's wisdom, of the fact that God is all-knowing, that, that God is all-existent, that He's always been, that He's eternal. The, the, the perfect culmination of, of God's sovereign plan, of His good, wise, sovereign plan, the perfect culmination of that is Jesus Christ. It's a perfect culmination of, of God's wisdom. Uh, Romans 10.4, Paul writes, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Other translations say, For Christ is the culmination of the law, Right? Think about God's plan. Just think about that for a second, right? I mean, I mean, God made us in His image. right? And He made us to be with Him. And then, and then we rebelled. And God knew we were going to rebel. And so God says, hey, I'm sending one who's going to crush the head of this serpent who, 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 who talked you in, in, into sinning, but it's going to take some time. He says, meanwhile, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you into a nation for myself. I'm going to call that nation Israel. I'm going to have its father named Abraham. He's old. He can't have any kids, but I'm going to make him have kids. And then I'm going to turn him into a nation by taking his family into Egypt. right? And there in Egypt, they're going to grow into a great nation, but then they're going to find themselves as captives. But it's okay, because I'm a God who sets the captives free. And so I'm going to free the captives. I'm going to take them across. They're going to... They're walk across the sea on dry land, and then I'm going to swallow up the army that pursues them. Now listen, in the desert, uh, because they're stiff-necked, they're still going to reject me, so they're going to wander for a while, but it's okay because I'm so good and so gracious that I'm still going to come down and tabernacle with them. But to do that, I've got to establish some rules, so I'm going to establish some rules... And, and, and we're going to establish a sacrificial system because they are unholy and I am holy, holy, holy. And so the only way I can, I can tabernacle be with them is if their sin is atoned for. And everything that I have said to you in that Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Because he's the perfect culmination of God's plan. Right? Jesus is what God's plan is all about. And so here's what I want to do. I think, I think Paul... Um, really wraps up this truth about how Jesus is, is the perfect culmination of God's wisdom in First Corinthians chapter eighteen uh, or First Corinthians chapter one. So it starts in verse eighteen. I'm going to read you though all the way through verse thirty. So if you've got out your sermon notes, there uh, you, you'll see First Corinthians. Uh, there, you can click on it. It'll open up the whole passage. If you have your Bible, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Again, I'm going to start in verse 18, read to verse 30. I'll put 18 on the screen, nice and big, just so you can see it. That's our starting point. Uh, and here is what the Word of the Lord says. It says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of God to us who are being saved. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who's wise? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since... In God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom. God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jew asks for signs and the Greek seeks wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Man, you should highlight that verse. It says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many of you were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in His presence. It is from Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And what Paul says in 13 verses, James sums up in just one, in James 3.17, he says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. I believe wholeheartedly when James writes those words, he doesn't know, but he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the wisdom of God. He is the perfect culmination of God's wise plan. Which kind of brings me to the last point. Okay? It's this, guys, that God promises and gives wisdom freely to us, and He expects us to to make wise decisions in life by putting the words of Jesus into practice, all right? God promises and gives wisdom freely to us, and He expects us to make wise decisions in life by putting the words of Jesus into practice. So two things I want to talk to you about. First, I want to talk to you about a promise. Then I want to talk to you about a practice. And the promise is one of my favorite in all of Scripture, right? And in in James 1.5, the Word of God says, Now, if any of you lacks wisdom... He should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So there's this great promise of Scripture, and the promise is this. Any of you lack wisdom, just ask for it. and God's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you without finding fault because He knows that you need wisdom, right? Because God made you. God made you. He knows how all your molecules fit together, how every strand of your DNA goes, and He knows that sometimes you don't know what to do, and other times you know what to do, but you don't have the power to do it. And so God says anyone who lacks wisdom can ask for it. God will give it generously. But listen, it's not just about the promise, because all wisdom is given with an expectation. And that expectation is that you actually do what you learn. That when God says, hear you ask for wisdom, here it is, here's the right thing to do, that then you go and, and practice that. You put it into practice. Anybody remember how the, the most famous sermon in the history of the world uh, ends up I'm talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Mount, of course, right? The the most famous sermon ever preached in history, Jesus wraps up the sermon in Matthew chapter 7 uh, by, by saying this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and he acts on them, he's going to be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and they pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Because its foundation was on the rock. Jesus says, listen, you got to put this stuff into practice. So who is Jesus? And he's the perfect culmination of God's wisdom. He's given freely to us. Not because of anything that we've done. Not because we've earned it, but because God is good. Because this is part of God's plan. And so Jesus comes and lives the perfect life that we couldn't. He dies in our place This wisdom of God. And then he ascends into heaven and he sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And by that spirit, uh, Jesus still communicates with us and gives us wisdom when we ask for it. And listen, when Jesus speaks and he gives us words, what is the expectation? Then that we would do something with it. We would put those words into practice. Anyone who does, he says, is a wise man. Anyone who doesn't, he says, is foolish. Now listen. I know the beach is nice. It really is, right? But it's not wise to build your house right at the edge of the beach. Why? Because hurricanes come, right? And, and, and waves arise, and they eat at that sand, and ultimately, those things collapse. You know where you build your beach house? A few rows back, <laughs> and you have all the views, but you get a firm foundation, right? Right? Jesus is that firm foundation for us. So what do we do when we understand that, 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 listen, wisdom is a big deal, that God is wise, God being wise means that he sees what we can't see, he knows what we can't know, and that he is working something out that's better than we can imagine, that we realize that Jesus is the culmination of all of that wisdom, that we realize that God promises that he'll give wisdom to us, but then he expects us to act on it. So what do we do? The first thing I do, friends, is I rest. I think that's his first call of the Scripture. Relax and rest in God's wisdom. Relax and rest in God's wisdom. Uh, anybody a planner out there? Anybody a planner? Okay, you guys at home, anybody a planner? You can raise your hand. It's okay, I can't see you, but God can. So, uh, if, if you're a planner, uh, here's what I've realized about myself. I've, I've, I've always thought of myself not as a planner. I've always thought of myself as, like I'm a kind of fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. And, and I, I am very good with change, I am, uh, but... Uh, I still need a plan. And so uh, I've I realized, like, at home, like, we're doing something. I'll ask my wife, hey, so we're doing, we're doing that thing today, right? And she's like, yeah, we're doing that thing. And I'm like, what time are we doing that thing? It is now 7.30 in the morning. I'm trying to plan my day. See? I don't know when it happened. I, I don't know. But that's, who, that's who I am. Uh, because we like control. Here's, here's the deal. Life throws you stuff that you can't control. And when you try to control it, when we try to sit in the driver's seat, and we try to be wise, and we lack wisdom, we don't know what to do. Or we, we know what we're supposed to do and we keep trying to do it out of our own strength, which we constantly fail and then we feel like losers and, and then we, we want to stop altogether, right? We, we, we begin to struggle. But here's what God's wisdom says. God's wisdom says that God is working all things out for the most possible good for the longest period of time for the most amount of people, including what he's doing in you. God's wisdom says if there was another way for him to bring about what he wants to do in you because he's good too and he's sovereign, there's another way for him to do it, he'd be doing that right now. He'd be doing that right now. When I begin to understand that, man, I, I can kind of relax and go, okay, Lord. So, so I'm in the ditch right now, right? I mean, I'm, I'm in the valley right now, but God, I studied valleys two months ago and I learned that in the valley is where I find great fruit. Right? In the valley, it may be a little dry, but it's where you prepare me for mountaintops. And so I can I can begin to understand that the goodness of God and the wisdom of God, that God is always working for a purpose, and then I can rest in that even in the hard places, knowing that God is good and knowing that He's all wise, that He 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 knows everything, He knows my instruction manual, and knowing that He knows what happened yesterday what's going on today and what's going to happen tomorrow and that he is working it out for good i can rest and relax in that amen it's a huge deal so if you're one of those people you go to bed at night and the last thing you think about is all the stuff you didn't finish today jesus calls you into rest Says, come to me right for my burden is easy and my yoke is light and you will find rest for your soul so that's the first thing we can do second thing Guys, uh, I think we can uh, get to know Jesus, right? We can get to know Jesus. That can, that can kind of be our focus. And, and uh, we, we had two people uh, participate in Believer's Baptism this morning. And so, man, they, they have come into a personal relationship with God's good plan, who is Jesus Christ. And, and so we start there. you gotta, you got to know Jesus, right? you got to know Jesus. And know and, uh, no, no, no Jesus, no peace. You all know that thing, right? If you K-N-O-W Jesus, uh, you know, if, if you don't K-N-O-W Jesus, then you have no peace. But if you do K-N-O, anyway. Okay, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Go Google it. Uh, and and so, so here's what I'm saying to you. Listen, man, you, you got to know Jesus. That's the first place. Jesus Christ is is the good plan of God. He he is God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. And yet He chose to step out of heaven and into humanity. And He chose to be nailed to a cross for your sake and my sake. Because we were sinners and we could not do anything to undo it. We couldn't be holy. God is holy. So Jesus paid the price that we deserve, the penalty that we deserve, and so that we could be forgiven. And if you haven't received that gift of Jesus, it's free to anyone who believes. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I, I want that. I, I want to be forgiven by God. I want to become a child of God. I, I believe you died from come into my life. So, so that's the first thing. You've got to kind of know Jesus. But other than that, you've got to know Jesus. Right? So you've got to know him, but then you've got to know him. And, and so where, where do we, we find our, our, our wisdom? Right? How are we made wise? We're made wise by what? By doing what Jesus says. Can I ask you a question? Do you know what Jesus says? Right? I've got a good friend of mine um, who I've been kind of kind of watching. Uh, online, social media—you guys post a lot of things. Uh, people post a lot of things. People tell you everything they do in life. Some of them, and uh, and, and and one person in particular was—he's I mean, he's struggling with some stuff. He's struggling. I love this brother, and 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 so he kept quoting uh, this passage in the Old Testament, and say, saying, saying, well, we'll see." But but did this guy ever do this? This guy in the Old Testament did did did, did Moses ever do this? Did Moses ever? And 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 yet, uh, ultimately, guys, Moses wasn't God's answer. You you following me? Moses was God's servant, but he wasn't God's answer. God's answer was Jesus. In fact, the author of Hebrews says, Jesus is the better Moses. And and so sometimes I, 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 I think that we know some things about God, we know some things about the Bible, we read some things, maybe even some things from the Old Testament, we go, man, that, that's what I have to do. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the wisdom of God. And so anything you think you know about God that, that was revealed in a shadow in the Old Testament, you have to fully see in the person of Jesus Christ. Because, let's walk through this, right? So, so, so like a lot of people, when Jesus showed up on the scene, were living, believing They were living believing that that hey Moses is our father, right? And so we're keeping the commands of Moses. Well, Moses said things like, you know, hey, hey, you're you're supposed to forgive. So they're like, well, how many times should we forgive? Well, I don't know. There's seven days a week. Let's forgive seven times. And Jesus shows up and says, No, man, can you imagine if God treated you that way? And He only forgave you seven times, you would all be up a creek. So he says, No, man, I tell you 70 times seven They're like, whoa. Four hundred and ninety. It took him a lot longer than that. Uh, abacus and everything. Uh, and like, hey, and he's going, man. No, God, God's, God's forgiving, right? So we have to look to Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan. So last thing I'll share with you guys is this: is uh, get on the screen. There we go. Uh, is it, then we have to put those things into practice. So once we begin to know Jesus, then we have to build our life on Jesus on the words of Jesus. So things like, again, like I just said, how many times should I forgive? I should always forgive, right? And, and, and not only should I always forgive, but then like when, when, when do I stop? What should I do with my enemy? Well, Jesus shows up and he says, love your enemy. Pray for those that persecute. Somebody hits you, don't hit them back. Turn, turn the other cheek. Oh, that, well, I'm sorry, that's the words of Jesus. That's not which you, you, you want to go back to Moses. uh, uh-uh, eye for an eye. So the Bible says, yeah, then Jesus showed up and allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. So where are you? Right? But I want to win! But Jesus laid down his life as the ultimate sacrifice. So where are you? So we have to look to Jesus, then we have to live like Jesus. That is the goal. Everybody got it? Okay, awesome. Uh, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us, then we are going to dismiss our at-home audience, and then uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a little countdown and then you guys will be dismissed, okay? All right, Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so good. Uh, We're so thankful for those that are gathered here and for all those that are walking at home. Um, Yes, Lord, uh, we, we love you, we love you, we love you. It's in your name that we pray these things.